You're about to enjoy this replay of the Sons UCF Live brought to you by Dariga, matching your company with the right talent. Today, I want to talk more about Dariga, a company that's revolutionizing the way businesses tackle one of their most critical challenges, finding the right talent. Dariga stands out for the groundbreaking approach to recruitment, which is really more like matchmaking. They also have deep-rooted ties to UCF. Ray Bazzi, their founder, is a UCF alum who actually started the company based on a class project during his MBA program. Also, their commitment to UCF runs deep. 95% of their employees are UCF graduates. Many companies turn to Dariga, and you should too. To find out more, go to nightrecruiting.com. That's night with a K to learn more about Dariga. Dariga, matching your company with the right talent. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Stroko, along with Adam Eaton. Welcome in to Sons of UCF Live. Adam, 24 hours ago, I don't think I would have used the free the phrase, fear the fronds. <laughs> How about that as part of our lexicon now? No, I, I think we need the backstory on that, too. Yeah, um, it, it's it's been a whirlwind 24 hours in, in the world of sports in general, but in, in UCF land, and we've got an action-packed show with basketball, football, transfers, shoes, palm fronds, and everything in between. So stick around, everybody. Of course, the big upset uh, that resulted in this. Roll the clip. <laughs> I can watch that. Over a lot and over <laughs> again. Uh, Brian W. Peterson asked if I stormed the court. The court stormed me. Knights 65, Kansas, number three, Kansas 60. Can you believe it? I can't. I mean, look, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody out there thought this was going to happen. So for all of you out there who are like, everyone loves Johnny, like slow down. (laughs) Nobody had this coming, but I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm wonderful by any means, but I told you in a few shows ago, this is, I think what our big 12 era is going to be about. Stay around in games. Stay close. Hope the other team dribbles off their foot. Stay for the vibes. Keep it close late and see what happens. And that's actually the game plan they pulled off against Kansas. Now, when I mentioned that weeks ago, I didn't think we'd do that against Kansas. But I think that's exactly what you saw. We kept it close, made adjustments, made some shots, made some stops on defense. Kansas did some stupid stuff, some foul trouble. Before you know it's late. And we're still in this thing. And then at that point, it's anybody's game. So I didn't have them uh, beating Kansas as, as evidenced by me not picking Kansas on our game within the game. But, uh, wow, what a win. What a first Big 12 win. I would not have. You could have given me every game in the schedule, Trace. This would have been the last one I picked <laughs> right. for our first Big 12 win. The very last one. And what you're referencing is there are draft of the schedule on Around the Kingdom. And the unclaimed uh, games go to the audience. The audience gets the Kansas win. We're still blanks on that uh, that scoreboard first big 12 win we talked about you know wins for football over cincinnati houston but that oklahoma state game right this one legacy blue blood right this one is the real deal yeah and and look i mean the you know the oklahoma state game and the football side had some quirks to it this was a straight up you know easy con- even contest right i mean not that the football game wasn't but there were some weather and uh you know elements i guess people talk about but against a blue blood number three team in the nation uh, a team that you know people i think you know have a have aspirations to be playing deep into march and uh, ucf went out and, and flat out just stuck with them play by play you know uh, minute by minute and and just eked out enough to to get the win i think 
I got shocking result for all of you out there saying you called this and you saw this one coming <laughs> outside of Mario who actually said it, but I think was joking. I need receipts. I need receipts. Yeah. I think Mario was joking as well. About Mario's that. never joking. Yeah, Mario's always serious. <laughs> always serious. Always serious. Uh, back on this uh, storming the court, which was just a you know, five minutes of chaos and a, a big celebration. Let's hear from guard Jalen Sellers on what it felt like for him. Man, the court storm was crazy. I don't think I never seen nothing like that in my life. Um, honestly, I kind of got up out of there. Um, honestly, <laughs> I went to the locker room. And I, I ain't never seen that many people around like that, and I'm kind of. I'm kind of shy. I did notice a couple of players were like overwhelmed by it. Others, of course, jumping up and down. All in all, though, an exciting moment. Hopefully not the last. Many more to come in this uh, year for UCF men's basketball. Yeah, again, you you see what this team is capable of, right? You see, this is a, a team that when they play together and they have a good game plan and they and they play well, they can they can compete with teams. And uh, I think that's what this this year is about. I think the Kansas State game, I'm hoping, is more of the outlier of the season. Again, I don't think we're going to win every game we go out to, right? But I think the competitiveness that we showed against Kansas, at least I hope that's the, the hallmark of what the season comes down to. Hopefully we don't get sort of blinded by the lights like we did in Kansas State. But, uh, you know, I, I think this this is the formula for UCF. Stay in games, have some fun. But I think the big thing, Trace, that we're not talking about, too, is, is the energy off the crowd. Right. We're going to have Ben Hazel on a little bit, but I think the, the players fed off that energy. I mean, you were there. That, I mean, that, that place had to be. Was that the loudest you've ever heard the the arena mm -hmm. there uh, on campus? I don't know. That's that's a good question. Uh, the environment was tremendous. Uh, and when you start to talk about Mount Rushmore moments for men's basketball, this one has got to be right up there. Uh, but a great crowd. You, you talked about it playing off. They still got to figure out ways to win on the road. And we've talked about the schedule. Difficult. Coach Dawkins said, hey, they get till midnight after the game. And then it's focus on BYU. We're going to talk with Ben. We're going to have a BYU preview as well. But football crept into the day unexpectedly. We got the uh, media uh, alert that uh, Coach Malzahn was going to have a presser with K.J. Jefferson, the Arkansas transfer, a bigot. I got to tell you, seeing that guy up close in person, we saw the stats on the page, but this is a big guy. Yeah, I couldn't tell on the podium, but I, I loved his answers. I loved his conversation. I loved what he, what he talked about and, uh, you know, the genuine nature by which he, you know, he talked about playing in Orlando and getting to know his teammates and earning their trust, earning their respect. I mean, again, as much as you can judge these things, I think he wins the press conference now. Yeah. You know, can he throw the football? Can he run the offense? All that to be seen. But day one, I think he, you know, checked the box. I think he won the press conference. Well, let's hear from Coach Malzahn on what he thinks KJ brings to the Knights. Uh, we, we got the perfect guy for our offense, really, and for our program and for our program at this time. Uh, you know, and coming in with the guys we have offensively, uh, there's a lot of excitement around our building right now. You heard it from Coach Malzahn. He likes what he sees in K.J. Jefferson. Let's hear from K.J. on, uh, you know, what he feels about being part of the Knights and part of his decision-making and coming to UCF. I mean, that was one of the things that I did look at, uh, who was coming back. And uh, Coach Malzahn was very transparent with me on who was coming back and let me know things of that nature. And the main thing he did was show me film. Uh, I'd be able to see it for myself and uh, be able to watch and just know that guys that come back are very extremely talented guys that I can be able to play with and uh, earn their trust and we can do this together. Yeah, he was asked about players. He mentioned R.J. Harvey. He mentioned Kobe Hudson. Uh, he knows there's some talent returning on this night's team in 2024. 
You also mentioned Javon Baker. Well, he did as well. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> returning. But he mentioned Xavier Townsend, Randy Pittman, right? And I think that's that's the exciting thing about this is you you plug in what you know of his skill set with what you know of the offense and what they want to run, with what Gus has typically done historically, with what he's done with quarterbacks of that size. Again, we're going to do a lot of Cam Newton comparisons this year. I'm not sure if that's fair or not. KJ talked about Cam being one of his idols and one of his favorite players growing up. Not sure that's a fair comparison, but you add in the weapons, you add in what you know from KJ, what Gus has been able to do, and you start to see the excitement, right? The only question you have, if you're me and you maybe, is the offensive line. How does that line going to come together? Missing some pieces. I know the transfer portals brought some guys in. Can that line gel? But it's hard not to look on paper and no production and no talent and no value and look at the, the roster and the two deep and go, man, we've, we've got some weapons. And if we can stay healthy and we can click on all cylinders, you can definitely see how this offense can be explosive in 2024. I think I heard Mike say on the podcast this week and I've heard other fans, and you just mentioned that there are concerns about the offensive line, but you got to say Herb Hand had that unit really put together I, yeah. and a lot of different faces in there, multiple guys at center. And I think he's a good coach and, uh, but confidence in him. I, I agree. But what does Herb need, Trace? Dudes. Herb loves dudes. <laughs> well, Herb needs some – I probably should have phrased that better, by the way. Herb needs some dudes <laughs> on the offensive line. And I think if, if you give him some dudes who can play, I think Herb will mold that unit. But you need depth there, too. We saw that a bunch last year. I mean, the offensive line was a revolving door with guys going down with injuries. I mean, we ended up going, what, eight or nine deep, if you think about the starters there. So you, you need to have a, a bunch of guys who can play on the line. Uh, on both sides of the ball, even the, the D line, you know, we're not really attacking the D line much in the portal. And I understand why we have some talented guys there, but we're one rolled ankle away from all of a sudden, you know, is our depth going to be concerned? So I think those are areas that while you have faith in the guys that are there and the coaches, it's uh, it's a contact sport, man. Anything can happen. Uh, UCF right before the presser passing out thick booklet of stats for one KJ Jefferson. I asked coach Malzahn about 36 career starts. They're bringing in a very experienced guy who has played top teams in the SEC. And I think coach Malzahn really likes that. Go back now a couple of years to the arrival of John Rice Plumley, And, you know, we heard an awful lot about he hadn't played quarterback. Uh, he was making that move. Uh, there's none of that now with uh, KJ. Yeah, I think that's a huge, a huge plus, Trace, right? I mean, I, I, John Rice had played in some games, obviously, but at quarterback as a freshman, at receiver, so he hadn't been really kind of under that under that spot in a while. This should be old hat to KJ. Even with all due respect to Tim McLean, you saw some games this year where it seemed like things were moving really quickly. So if anything, you hope you're going to get again a guy that's nothing, nothing's going to surprise him. I think it was interesting um, in the uh, in the video we have out on our YouTube play, page that you, 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 uh, you filmed for us. One of the interesting things he talks about is, you know, him and uh, Co Co uh, Coach Gus and Christie, by the way, scouting uh, tape and watching guys just bounce off KJ and him throw a guy here and throw a guy there. So if you got a guy who's not going to be rattled, who can stay in the pocket and make plays, that's a that's a really interesting success mark for UCF and, a, and kind of a difference to your point in the way that JRP came into uh, came into the program. But I also got to say, I loved hearing KJ talk about talking to JRP and that mutual respect and sort of learning from him and understanding what UCF did for JRP. I, I think, you know, for whatever you think of JRP, he's going to go down as one of the best ambassadors for UCF. And I don't think you can argue that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that stood out for me about KJ and you mentioned it winning the press conference, I think he did in his answers today. Uh, to the media is when he talked about knowing when to put his body on the line. And I think that's something that over a couple of seasons with John Rice Plumley, you knew his heart was in trying to make a play, but it wasn't always the best decision. He put his body on the line and KJ seems to be indicating that he knows when to do that. 
Yeah, we all talked a lot about JRP and his throwing ability. And I always said, I, I well, certainly he, you know, he had to sort of improve in that in that sense. I thought the biggest thing he had to improve on and he made steps on was his decision making. And that's hopefully one thing that KJ won't have to really kind of get up to speed and a learning curve on because he's he's made decisions live on the fly in the pocket, you know, with defensive guys coming at him where it took a while, I think, for JRP to make those decisions. So hopefully that learning curve shorter for for uh, for KJ than it was for JRP. We've had some activity in the transfer portal, uh, you know, with a wide receiver coming in. I asked on my poll this week, grade the wide receivers. Now we have Javon Baker uh, leaving, going into the NFL draft. 69% said B. I thought that was fair, by the way, when I looked up uh, wide receiver stats, uh, you know, Kobe and Javon combined for 15 of the 24 touchdowns and Xavier had three and, and Jared Baker had one. So 19 of the 24 to wide receivers. There were some drops in there. I thought that was fair. This is a big time for uh, Xavier to step up, Kobe to have a monster year. Uh, and you really just need a couple of guys there, right? I mean, yeah, obviously you need depth, but the guys that are going to get the bulk of, uh, of the catches are just a couple of guys. Yeah, I think B is fair. I think we not only did we see some drops, Trace, but we saw some drops that turned into turnovers, which which were backbreakers at times. I mean, there was one in the Boise State end zone, West yes. Virginia one down towards the goal line. So I, I think you can bump the the grade down there. But I think this is going to be a fun, interesting competition at wide receiver, right? To your, to your point, Kobe and X are probably one, two. But then you got a, a lot of young guys who can really kind of step in and step up for that, you know, number three, number four position, right? You know, you bring in a guy like Goldie Lawrence, a guy like Tyree Patterson, Jared Baker played some time last year, right? Uh, and so you've got some guys, Cha Chauncey Magwood, I don't know if he's with the team still. I don't know what his situation is, but I think he's still with the team. I mean, he got some reps last year. So I think you get some fun. Trent Winnemore's coming back. I think you get some fun competition for wide receiver three and four and some young guys maybe getting a chance to step in similar to what you saw X do. So while you certainly want some consistency there, I'm not concerned yet. I think it could really breed some fun competition in the spring game. Yeah, I think that is a position, uh, you know, and those depth pieces that is going to be interesting to watch. Of course, we're not going to get any answers out of spring camp, but it'll be something that we will definitely talk about. You mentioned John Rice Plumley. One more time to see him and some former Knights in the bounce house this Saturday at noon. I still have some tickets. Uh, thanks to everybody who has uh, DM me or you. I've been giving those tickets out. The folks at the Hula Bowl have been great. That's noon in the bounce house. John Rice Plumley, Jason Johnson, the linebacker. By the way, great question. Uh, Walter Yates the third about Jason Johnson and his quiet demeanor at pressers. Uh, I enjoyed. I that. figured it had to be a bet trace. I figured it had to be a running joke. I guess not. Uh, offensive lineman Tylen Grable, uh, defensive back to Corian Patterson, and uh, defensive end Traymond Morris Brash. You can see them. DM me or Sons of UCF uh, on uh, Twitter, and uh, we still have some more tickets. Hopefully, I'll be able to get those to you in plenty of time to go to the game on Saturday. Let's go back to men's basketball. Uh, this one, Jalen Sellers with 18, Darius Johnson with 17. Uh, this was enjoyable, uh, especially in the second half. A night to remember. Let's talk about it a little bit more with our guy, Ben Hazel, former UCF development coach, who was watching this game. We texted back and forth. Ben, just wow. Let's start off with wow. I mean, you see me. I'm suited and booted. I said if we reach <laughs> this rarefied air, I will wear my bow tie and suit like I normally do. I mean, it's an honor to be talking about the Knights, considering what they just accomplished. Such a dramatic difference from that loss Saturday at Kansas State, where they're down 12 nothing early. Here they jump out early. They really just got the crowd behind them early. Now, they let that lead slide down 16 at the four-minute media mark. 
But then you saw the defense really clamp down and and and, and just talk about the way the team started to rally and, and build some momentum right before the half. Okay, so the one thing about this game that I think cannot be harped on enough and it just cannot be lost is this is in this game and its result was Coach Dawkins' greatness. This was something that Coach Dawkins, it just his mat, it was a masterpiece. I, I don't know. I mean, Bill Self talked about it after the game, but people need to understand that what he did is something that he's been setting up since the season began. So what I mean by that is, is that all the non-conference games, Coach Dawkins will always say, hey, I don't want to show too much. We'll play scrimmages and closed doors. I don't want to show too much. And you don't know what he's talking about. Well, this is literally what he's talking about. He has a bag of options that he can go to to try to see how other teams will react that he won't show to make sure that they cannot prepare for it. So Coach Dawkins tried to go 1-3-1. That didn't work. But then he came back to the press, right back to the zone that he started to switch to man late in the shot clock. And it was something Kansas had no answer for. That was literally the changing point. That literally changed the momentum. That changed the flow of the game. It gave the control as far as pace back to UCF. And that's literally why we won the game. Legendary Kansas coach Bill Self, you heard it in the post game, thrown by what he saw from UCF's defense. They were not expecting to see that. They did nothing to prepare for it, and it showed. I, I was pretty surprised at kind of how stunned they were considering how long uh, the Knights were in zone. And then, of course, Coach Dawkins brought his patented zone demand. When you get late in the shot clock, under 10 seconds, everybody kind of matches up. And it, it was really surprising that they never really figured anything out. Uh, I mean – I think Coach Dawkins gave a playbook for kind of how to challenge uh, Kansas because we knew they didn't really have the depth. Um, our size gave them problems. And then when they couldn't really get into their offense, that was that was the game. Ben, I had to keep my streak alive. I'm not saying I'm the one who, who made this happen, but every show so far, I've asked you about Ibrahima Diallo. Yeah. And in this game specifically, you could feel his presence. Now, the box score, he doesn't, he's just not going to jump out at you, but can you explain to us what that what what his presence meant to the the win on uh, on last night he outplayed hunter i mean simple as that like he he really just outplayed him i mean you saw early on you see hunter make a little hook shot and i mean i, I got into it with some fans during this game i i honestly have to say just in person or on social media in person this is in person so and that's just because the disrespect that i was hearing was just beyond something that i could just accept i just couldn't take it so you see the game early on, and I'm paying attention to all that. They really are giving us no respect. Hunter makes a hook after we're up 7-0 and gives them the little man pose. Gives them the little man pose five minutes into the game. And it's just like these guys had no respect for, for us, and Ibrahima earned his respect. I mean, he really dominated the game. He changed shots. Uh, he was super physical. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more. And he's been pretty consistent, so I, I hope this is something that we'll see more of him. I love Ben. It's on site whenever he sees you talking disrespect at the game. No, but no, no. There's only a line that only so far you could go with me. <laughs> um, you mentioned Coach Dawkins, too. Talk about his adjustments, too. So you see a new starting lineup, right? C.J. Walker gets in. Ibrahim Diallo comes in. Second half, he moves D.J. off the ball, and he, you know, he's got Shamari kind of bringing the ball up. Talk about the adjustments you saw and what you think that did for this game. We saw basketball royalty at its best. I mean, he really just flexed his his basketball knowledge um, and showed a bunch of looks and lineups that we just really hadn't seen as a fan base that I know is something that he's constantly looking at and trying to improve. Uh, C.J. Walker being healthy, uh, you showed the effect and just how it helps our team 
He's extremely physical as well. He didn't really make the shots the way we wanted, but he rebounded, made his free throws, got to the line. Uh, the way that Coach Dawkins put the lineups together, along with his strategy on defense and how he switched things up, uh, was why I would call it a masterpiece. Ben, why, why was that the right lineup? Why was going to CJ and Ibrahima? Why was that the right lineup for this Kansas team? Guys that have been there. So they understand how to still be effective while your energy is high, while your adrenaline's pumping. So they know how to set the tone in a moment when you really need the tone set. They're guys that have been around the block and played in extremely big games. So I think Coach Dawkins really just leaned on that to know, like, these guys will know how to operate even though emotions are high, energy is extremely high, because you can see it go the other way where guys are extremely juiced up and they can't make a shot, just can't really digest what's being told to them. But we had guys that we know they've been there and it showed. Like they, they set the tone early and, and didn't let their foot off the gas. In light of the win over Kansas, how do you look back in retrospect over the last week? A lot of hype going into that road game uh, at Kansas State, and then they get off to a terrible start, right? The 12-0 run by Kansas State. You heard Coach Dawkins and players say they didn't have the right composure in this one. They pivot, they get back to practice, and then they put together the game at Kansas. That's a lot of different emotions, a roller coaster over, say, a seven-day period of time. Yeah, I think the Kansas State game will be the outlier. I mean, that was one where everybody just seemed to be a little shocked. And I think that also lended to Coach Dawkins making the lineup change, right? Starting off with a little bit more of a composed group so we don't, you know, get too high on the highs and too low on the lows. Because the same thing could have been said when we went down 12 or down 16 early in the first half. That was a moment that we would normally say, hey, if we were not composed, that will turn to 25 by the time we get to the first media timeout in the second half. And that was actually kind of similar to what happened at Kansas State. So the one thing that I love about the win was that we didn't play out of our minds. This is not a Georgetown Villanova moment. We executed a game plan and won the game. Did a radio hit uh, this morning with Sirius XM Radio in their Big 12 show, and they said, is this UCF team a good team? How do you answer that question? Yes. What do you mean? How can, how can you still even ask that? <laughs> well, they, they got the big uh -oh. win, but uh -oh. Uh -oh. why do you think they have the makings of a good team? We just beat Kansas. Yeah, I know, but that's <laughs> one. They got, they got to keep doing that, though, right, to be a yes, good team? Yes, of course, of course. I mean, our season is not over. There's still a lot of games left, but I think it just really does something for your confidence, and it shows what we're capable of. Of course, you have a bad loss. To Kansas State but a loss is a loss whether it's one point or 25 in this conference the main thing that we have to do is just try to stack wins as best we can there's no bad losses in the Big 12 really as long as we don't lose a bad one to the West Virginia or something like that but there's really no bad losses so we're playing with house money we show what we're capable of as long as if we can get that to show up a few more times I mean we would have shocked and shocked the world almost at that point. And a lot of times if we do that, that'll be against a ranked team just because of our conference. All right, Ben, I know last week I saw he was watching the show, but if I know you, I know you're also going to be honest anyway. So Darius Johnson, seven turnovers, you know, obviously leading the game. What, what does he need to do differently in, in terms of you know, turnovers? He had six assists, seven turnovers. So minus one ratio there. What do you want to see him do differently while he's handling the ball? It's just small pockets. I think what it is is he gets caught in some bad areas and then it just he can't necessarily get the ball out when he gets too deep. These are small things. And with if he plays the way that he played yesterday, I really can overlook that part. 
I mean, I know it's something, you know, it was sevens a, a lot. And of course, I think he'll naturally tone that down. I mean, he had the one where he threw it to Shamari where he fell, things like that. You know, you could kind of take those back where you just slow down, getting caught in the moment a little bit. But he played extremely hard. He, the thing that I loved was that, hey, he didn't let his turnovers affect other parts of his game. Like the moment that really stuck out to me for the difference between the types of team we were seeing mentally, Darius gets fouled, we're down about 12 to 14. He misses the free throw, goes and gets the rebound, throws it back in, and then we score. Plays like that kind of showed me mentally we were in a different space than we were against Kansas State. And I think that turning point is something when you do do it and get some success, I think it'll stick. All right, so what do we do now? So we win against Kansas, right? You got some momentum. How, if you're a coaching staff, how do you let this win build into the next couple of games? How do you kind of put this in a bottle and use it for your upcoming schedule? Well, I think what it, what you do is or how you use it is that this is now your benchmark, right? So you have something to compare it to. So what we were talking about before was that we didn't really have any big wins against some marquee matchups. We played Ole Miss. We took a tough one. We played Miami. We took a tough one. Um, but now it's like, okay, you you saw what we're capable of. You saw what it took to do it. Now it's just about executing that over and over. And now it's about the consistency part. If you were part of this coaching staff now, Coach Dawkins said, celebrate till midnight and then we get back to work. I mean, the quick turnaround now, Wednesday to Saturday, you've got a BYU team that comes in with two losses uh, off the top. So they're hungry to get a win. They're going to do so in another hostile environment. What would you be doing with the team this week to get them focused and, and put that game behind it so there's no hangover of a victory? Well, with Coach Dawkins, there's no change. You're going to watch film before practice. We're going to go over that game that we just played. We're going to go over scout for the next team, and we're going to take these two two days to prepare the exact same, two or three days to prepare the exact same that we always would. Uh, coach Dawkins doesn't deviate from the plan and the luxury of having uh, an illustrious coach like Coach Dawkins is that he's been at this level before. So he's run off, you know, he's been in a Kansas situation where they run through the league and win a national championship. So he knows how to overcome uh, potential lulls of when you get big wins. Have you been able to tell, based on what you saw from a team in practice, how you thought they would play in a game? If you if, Could you see it during practice and the way they were putting themselves into practice? Nope. You, no. This, the moments like this, you can't really see, right? Because those lights are just as bright as they'll ever be. And how people respond in those situations is something which you're really trying to figure out. You try to use other games to build towards it and things like that. But there's some guys, you know, that just like, hey, play play way better than they ever will. And they do it under the bright lights. Like it's something that gets them excited. Some guys, it makes them play a little tighter. So, of course, you have a general idea. Um, you know what you need to see to give you the best chance. But, you know, in big moments like this, it's really about who's who and who comes ready mentally and, and can execute it under the lights. Ben, let's get to the important questions here. You're one of the only people I think that can actually answer this question. One of the big stories from last night was the palm fronds behind the basket. How much does that stuff actually distract a free throw shooter? How much does all that stuff waving around, people jumping, does that actually distract a free throw shooter? Uh, I wouldn't ask the, those big things don't distract you. What is potentially distracting is if there's somebody that's a little bit on the very front row, that's doing something crazy that might get somebody every once in a while. Cause you're not used to seeing somebody that's directly in your line, line of sight, but the stuff behind the basket, you don't really, you, you almost prefer it on the road because at home it's really silent. So you're like, Oh my God, everybody's staring at me. 
He's denting the legend of the palm. Yeah, wow. the palm <laughs> yeah. yeah, took, yeah. The palm took a hit. It was great. It looked good. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't think that had any effect on, on most of the guys shooting the free throws. All right. And we heard Jalen Sellers uh, say he was a little bit scared when he saw the, the court storming. Have you ever been a part of a, a court storming? And what's that What's that experience like? Is it scary? Is it fun? Are you, are you kind of nervous? Can you take us into the mind of the player while the court is being stormed? Yes, I actually have been a part of two court stormings in uh, in my career. Um, one was to go to the NCAA tournament. We won at a buzzer beater, um, and it was the craziest game. And yes, it is a little overwhelming, but my problem was I was a freshman, so I was freaking out, and I didn't even really notice it until I was at the bottom of the pile. Um, <laughs> but you, you do realize, you know, who's brushing their teeth and who's not and who put deodorant on. And, and it, it can be, it can be overwhelming for some people. It's not something that happens very often. Let's talk about the crowd and how important they can be and why they need to be out there again Saturday against BYU. That can be a difference maker. We see in these big 12 games, how intimidating it is for the road team. Houston fell on the road, right? These are tough venues. UCF can be one of those every game. It's huge. I was proud of the fans. Like I was proud of all of Orlando with this game. Like I know you talked about it, but I think this has got to be the best win in, in UCF program history. I mean, and the crowd showed out like it, it was electric in the building and it does have an effect. It, it, it's hard to talk. So when the gym is as loud as it is, small things like being able to hear your coach when you're standing at half court, like let's say there's a free throw and I'm at half court and I need to hear coaches call or he's trying to get my attention, I can hear him. But when the gym's like that, you can't hear. So when you're dribbling up the court, you can't, you don't get any of that stuff. So it has a huge effect um, on the logistics of a game and, and really just how the guys play because of that communication and the effect that it has on it. Not that coaching staffs take teams lightly, but everyone in this league knows UCF was picked 14th. Coach Dawkins saying, we belong. Players using it as motivation. But this really sends a message to the rest of the league. You, you definitely cannot take this UCF team lightly. Yes, it sent the message that we've all been looking to send this entire season so far. So couldn't come at a better time and to really just add some, some fire to it on why I just really am happy that we did win this game. I mean, through the, through the grapevine, I heard that Bill Self re requested this game be played in Orlando. Hmm. Whatever his reasoning behind that is, who knows? But if I'm going to take it a step further, I feel like he wanted his fan base to have a good vacation. And they thought they were going to come to Orlando. and just Well, they, they did up in. until the you know second half there. Exactly. <laughs> and they were talking in the crowd like they thought this was supposed to just be a vacation. And it was a vacation, and I hope they went home and had a safe trip. <laughs> I, I love salty Ben. Um, ben, early in the game, Thierno Sila gets uh, gets ejected, right? So two two parter for you. One, what are your thoughts on that? And two, what does that do to as a coaching staff when a guy that you're counting on all of a sudden isn't in the rotation, and you have to kind of uh, make up for that? Uh, as a coaching staff, you're really just unfazed at that point. Um, I know you're just like, all right, well, I guess what do I have to do moving forward? Um, you don't really have any time to digest it because it happened so fast. Um, I know the, the spark behind it is that Thierno and, and CJ Walker are really, really good friends. They're really tight. So I, I know that was his heart was in the right place. Um, but just kind of young guy just getting caught in a bad, bad situation. Um, I wish, you know. He'll learn from it, but it just kind of is what it is. I know Coach Dawkins probably didn't think twice about it 
um, and just kind of rolled with it because there's just a lot going on. All right. And after the game, we saw a different side of Coach Dawkins on the on the court. It's on social media. He's yelling. He's screaming. Right. He's he's talking to cameras. Fans don't see that side of coach very often. Right. Everyone kind of thinks he's pretty, pretty demure. Right. Just pretty stoic on the bench. Have you seen coach as fired up as you saw him last night at the at the arena? No, I have not. I have never seen coach that fired up. I mean, again, it just brings me back to I know it, 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 those are his hooping days. That's just his mindset right now. And you talked about it when we did the season opener on do coaches circle games, do players coaches circle games too. I know he takes it game by game, but like I said, he has stuff in the bag that he wants to try to pull out in certain situations against certain teams. So I, that this was clearly that game for him. Um, I was really happy he was able to get it done. Um, so he just kind of let it out. I mean, as an old player, you watch it and you're like, I could, I wish I could just, you know, I would go give that guy 50. So he needs the he needs his guys to go show what what he would do to the other team. So I'm glad he got it and I'm I know he's on top of the world, but he is a workaholic and I know he's already watching. He probably was watching BYU film last night. I took your advice and went with Darius and got the points in our game within the game with Adam and Eric Lopez. Now, just between you and me again, uh, who do you think's on the verge of a breakout offensively that you might uh, are we allowed something. to pick the same two that we've been toying with the whole season? Well, I, now I, you know, I mean, Darius and Jalen are going to go somewhere in there, and I think I have the second pick, so I feel pretty good positioned. But I'm just, I'm just curious who you think's on the verge of, of breaking out if, if I end up with a third pick sometime. If I'm going to go with the sleeper, I'm going to go with Chichi. That's think what I Chi-Chi. said. Yeah, I think yeah. Chichi. Uh, that did not work for Adam against Kansas. Did not. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. But again, it's just like he's coming from New Mexico State like this is these environments aren't new to him, but they were a lot more one off, I'm sure. Um, So I think he's still getting comfortable with the conference play. I mean, everything kind of ratchets up. So I think he'll settle in and, and make some shots, really. All right, BYU Saturday at Texas midweek. Uh, if things go right here, what what's the apparel next week? If you've, you've sported the bow tie this week, uh, what, what do you have in mind? Uh, I think I mean I'll stay with the theme. Is I'll roll with this every win. I'll roll with the bow tie. Like they, I feel like I'm in illustrious air every time we win a game in the conference. So I feel like you know I gotta fake it till I make it. Ben, I'm sorry. There's a there's a slanderous comment in the chat that maybe just maybe. That's a clip on. I, I'm not. I'm not accusing. Whoa, I'm just whoa, you. Whoa, you, gotta know, you gotta know we don't do anything other than real ties, baby. We okay. do real ties. <laughs> <laughs> now he's untying it. <laughs> no, There's some slander. Do the I don't know. Don't do the fake. These are real. Fair <laughs> enough. Look at that. He's got receipts. He's on site. I love Ben. I love uh, ben. ben Hazel. We loved talking. A big victory over Kansas, and we look forward to talking to you next week about hey, maybe one, two wins. Over BYU and Texas. One step at a time. (laughs) Take it easy, Trace. All right. Ben, thanks for being with us on Suns Live. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ben. Wow. Threw that out, Adam. And that bow tie, it was it was real, Adam, and spectacular. No, I I thought it was, but in the in the comments (laughs) that people were asking if that was a real bow tie, if it was a clip-on. So felt like I had to, you know, hard-hitting journalism. I, I feel like I need to ask these questions. That was hard-hitting. Coach uh, Bill South of Kansas, very complimentary of uh, Coach Johnny Dawkins, calling him very classy. Coach Dawkins asked after the game, uh, you know, how about this win over Kansas? Where it ranks in his UCF coaching career? Biggest win of my career here. uh, Based on the opponent we're playing, playing a Blue Blood program, 
Hall of Fame coach, and, and, and they do a terrific job. You know, I follow basketball, college basketball, of course. I love it, so I live it. And I've watched that program, and I've watched Coach Self. He's done a phenomenal job. I mean, deserving to be a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, championship, you know, won several championships, national championships. I mean, so to, to compete in a game like that and then to win it, I mean, I think it just really helps our overall growth of a program like ours as we move forward. Well, Knights now one and one in the Big 12 look to move to two and one. They'll have to dispatch BYU. Let us talk about the Cougars a little bit more with Trevor Lovett, one of the hosts of the Hype Train podcast covering BYU athletics, part of the 1012 podcast network. Trevor, welcome into Suns Live. Hey, appreciate you guys having me. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. What's gone wrong with your BYU Cougars? Oh, and two to start the year. And then they come to Orlando fresh off this victory over Kansas are the Knights. Yeah, no, that's a it's been an excellent question. First of all, before I get any further, wanted to congratulate you guys. I uh, was kind of watching the back end of that interview with with Ben Hazel. Congratulations on that win with Kansas. Uh, got to watch a little bit of that game. It's a big win for your the Knights. Um, and as a as a new as a fellow new Big Twelve member, uh, have a special place in my heart for for Houston and Cincinnati and and UCF. So for you guys, even Cincinnati. Oh. Even Cincinnati, we I, we don't have reason to to hate them quite yet. Uh, I, I hated the three point shooting in that game, but it, that wasn't their <laughs> that wasn't their fault. Um, no, but what's happened is we've seen definitely a big jump in talent from from what BYU's played at the beginning of the season to what they've seen now. Uh, their strength of schedule will continue to improve with each game that they play, uh, but currently, not didn't play a bunch of teams. Came into Big Twelve play. Uh, might have gotten a little, you know, big-headed little ego uh, playing the teams that they did, and they got hit in the mouth. And one of the things that we were talk- actually talking about on our podcast yesterday is it feels like this is a team that's pushing a little bit too hard. I genuinely believe that this offense is talented. Um, I genuinely believe that this offense can consistently hit threes like they had been at the beginning of the year. Uh, but, man, the Big 12 is just an entirely different animal. And they found that out really quickly. And I've found them doing things that they wouldn't normally do. Uh, a lot of turnovers, a lot of things that is just part of a team that's pushing too much, is playing a little bit too tight. Um, so I'm hoping as each game moves along that we begin to see them kind of loosen up and get used to what the Big 12 is and the gauntlet that it's presenting to us right now. When I looked at that schedule and saw the loss to Cincinnati, did the did the Cougars underestimate the Bearcats? I mean, that was a home game, right, for for BYU. Yeah, no, it, it was. I I don't think I saw too much um, looking past um, to Baylor. I I more saw a team that was a little bit too juiced. Uh, the the three point percentage we put up a record amount of attempts. It's like forty six attempts. Uh, only hit I think it was like thirteen of them, and nine of those were from Trevin Nell. Uh, so the rest of the team, as mathematically, was horrible. Uh, couldn't hit anything. A lot of shots hitting off the back iron. Um, saw an improvement from that in the following game against Baylor. So I think this is a team, like I mentioned earlier, coming down from some nerves, settling in, and uh, with each game, hoping that they can kind of figure out what they need to do to be able to get a win. Trevor, it's your first time on the Sons of UCF podcast. So let me let me first apologize for us because we're a lot, but I've got to ask. I'm sorry. Is that a Georgia license plate behind you there? Is there a, is there a story behind that? Is there another pod? Is there something else we should know about here? 
No, so tr- so truth be told, I am a part of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, so okay. one of the things that we do is we serve a two-year church mission, uh, and my mission was in Atlanta, mm-hmm. Georgia. So that's that's kind of my memorabilia from there. Uh, love the South. Another reason why I cheer for you guys down there in Florida. Uh, the people and everybody down there are amazing. So kind of keep that around to remind me where I've been. Well, regretting asking that question. All right, so let me ask what I want. You didn't see that one coming, did you, Adam? You didn't prepared for that answer. Yeah, thanks a lot for that, Robert, in the chat. Um, <laughs> look, I was looking at the, the BYU stats. You've got five guys averaging double-digit points. Yeah. Talk more about this offense. How, how how are you able to share the ball so well? What, what, is that, what does the team do to be able to get so many guys involved from a scoring perspective? Yeah, I think I think the the first name that comes to mind in that area is Ali Khalifa. He's one of, if not the best passing big man in college basketball. Uh, I think earlier this year, his assist to turnover ratio was like somewhere like like 21. Um, it's come down a little bit since then, but he's he just finds lanes to pass the ball that I, I I'm not sure how he gets it in there, but it it's it's beautiful. It's where it needs to be. Um, for guys, most importantly, not only to really catch the ball, but to be able to go and do something with it immediately, um, tends to be wide open layups. Um, it's a very unselfish team. This is a team that works the ball around the perimeter. Um, you look at the scoring distribution that we've got six guys, five that officially score 10 points per game. And then one that's sitting at 9.4. Um, no one's worried about whether or not they're getting enough shots up. Um, and and we see a lot of that, but it, it really does begin with Ali Khalifa. I'm out, Trace. Yeah, so after that first performance, I'm going to kick it over to you. You, you. you talked about the emotions for these first two games. What, what do you think is the Achilles heel of this team as it comes to Orlando now and a UCF team with Johnny Dawkins that prides itself on its defense? Uh, it believes its defense can keep it in most games and drive the offense. What What are you most concerned about with this team now coming to Orlando with two losses to start Big Twelve play? I think it's. I think that's a great question. I think one of the biggest concerns right off the bat is is UCF's athleticism. I mean, pun kind of intended, but it jumps off the it jumps off the tape. Uh, I look at a guy like Jalen Sellers, who's already a good size. He's six four, um, but he's incredibly athletic. Uh, in that game against Kansas, he had a couple of highlight dunks that kind of had me sitting back in the, on the couch a little bit, just got up there and got up there quickly. Uh, this is a team that's fast. Um, and I think for me, that's been the biggest issue. One of the biggest issues as BYU has joined the big 12 is being able to keep up with that athleticism and they don't get a day off against UCF in that, in that regard. Do you think this is a desperate team as it comes to Orlando? I, I do think this game has become much more of a must win than I would have originally anticipated. I would have thought that our first game against Cincinnati would have gone a lot differently. Uh, Baylor at home was going to be a tough game. I was I would have never chalked that one up as a win, although I would have hoped that we and was play, p- pleased to see that they were competitive. Um, but this is a team that, yes, 1,000%, nobody wants to start uh, Big 12 play, especially coming off the, the preseason that they had. No one wants to start Big 12 play. Oh, and three. Uh, so this is definitely a team that as much as I hope that they play within themselves is definitely a team itching to get a win for sure. You mentioned Trevin Neal. He's shooting 47% from three. What do UCF fans need to know about him? How, how dangerous is he from the outside? Yeah, he's, he's been on, he's been on a tear. Uh, he's been one of the best catch and shoot players uh, that I've seen this year. I've watched, I watch a lot of tape. I watch a lot of games. Um, He's a guy that also has a very quick release. 
Um, he had a he had a three point shot from the corner against Baylor the other day, where one of the commentators was was saying that the Baylor defender was playing too far off. It, he wasn't really that far off. I felt like he was being a little bit um, not generous enough with the defense that was being played. Uh, he comes off screens well. They do a lot of double picks to be able to set him um, in a position to be able to get open and get shots off, uh, and he's been hitting them. So it's 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 been. It's been a lot of fun to see, and every time that ball goes up, I expect it to go in. That's kind of the that's kind of the flow that he's been in lately. All right, with cautious optimism, I'm making a left hand turn here. I saw recently where BYU's head coach uh, Mark Pope came under fire for smashing a water bottle on the scores table and, <laughs> yeah, and spraying good... folks all around. Uh, any explanation for that? Is that kind of out of character for 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 Pope? Listen, no excuse. Baylor was the better team that game. Uh, I was a little bit, I was a little bit disappointed in the officiating, uh, and clearly Mark Pope was as well. Um, I think the funniest part of that clip actually was that our color commentary guys were right behind him. Uh, didn't know they didn't know clearly they were sitting in the splash zone, uh, <laughs> but it was. But uh, he's he's a very entertain entertaining guy. Uh, he's. He's super fun to listen to in interviews. He's passionate. Um, and I'm sure in that moment, he just saw uh, the frustration that his guys were feeling. Uh, could have done a better job, obviously, of keeping himself composed, um, but caught himself slipping. And unfortunately, our color commentary guys paid the price for that. Trevor, one more from one of our uh, faithful listeners. How excited are you to have the Holy War in all sports next year with Utah also now joining the Big 12? I frankly, I love it. Um, one of the biggest things on Twitter, uh, there was a whole big discourse between Utah fans, whether or not they wanted to be in the big 12 BYU fans. Uh, some BYU fans were split. They didn't want them in there at all. Uh, me and my camp, we wanted them in the big 12. The, the Holy war is going to make this conference better. Uh, just like any rivalry makes any conference better. Uh, it's a lot of hatred. Uh, we do not like each other. And, and it extends it basketball, it extends basketball. Um, up until recently, I didn't have a bunch of Utah friends. It's kind of one of those things where you don't tend to run into each other a whole lot. But Twitter is like a bridge to bridge gap there. Um, but it's, it's an exciting time. I'm glad that they're coming in and uh, hoping that they can make this conference as good as it can be. Tell us before you go about the Hype Train podcast and your coverage of BYU Athletics. Yeah, so it's it's me and uh, three other guys. So myself, Joe Wheat, Hunter Miller, and uh, Chandler Miller. Although Hunter and Chandler are not related, um, and it's it started right after COVID. Uh, it was would have been which would have been 2021. Uh, that season we had quarterback Jaron Hall and a couple others that uh, led really a surprising 10 and two uh, season, and we felt like it was time to start a podcast. It was kind of one of those things where I kept telling him every time I was like, Hey, we have all this discourse in our group chats all the time. Why don't we just like put it to a microphone and put it out there for people to listen to until finally, I just had to grab them all together and be like, listen, this is what we're doing. Hunter. I know that you know how to work this stuff, like put it together <laughs> and let's, and let's do this thing. That's our Adam. He knows how to work all the buttons. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like a nice guy. Sounds like a nice guy. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's great. And I, and I love all of them. And and we we have kind of this this catchphrase where we're going to hit you with analytics and we're going to hit you with the facts 
Uh, but then we're going to throw it out and tell you what our hearts think is going to happen instead. And, and that tends to be how our podcasts go as well. All right. So what's your prediction for Saturday? What's your heart telling you? Oh, the heart's the heart's telling me with with all the love that I can send to you guys in, in Central Florida that this is a, a BYU team that desperately needs a win. Uh, and I think I think they squeak one out. I think BYU wins 81 80. Ooh, 81. That's a lot of points <laughs> after a 65-60 UCF win over Kansas. Well, we hope you guys continue to have fun doing uh, the show, but not in your next show after that. We'd want you to kind of <laughs> yeah. talk about a loss. We're just trying. I know you're not going to hate us as much as Utah, but just trying to, you know, razz you a little bit. All right. We appreciate you for joining us. Uh, Trevor Lovett, one of the hosts of the Hype Train podcast covering BYU athletics. We appreciate you being with us, and we'll have you again on Sons of UCF Live. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, Trevor. All right. That's pretty good stuff right there. Uh, Trace, I, I'm sorry. I, I This is unprecedented uh, yeah. in live show history. I don't yeah. – uh, this is not, not planned. I don't even – Is this a Brian W. Peterson moment? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, that I, time again. <laughs> well, well, Robert have offered me $500 if I could have guessed who was in the queue. <laughs> I wouldn't have said UCF Mike. <laughs> I coming Mike. off a historic night like last night, I had to make at least a cameo appearance today. Mike, good to see you. It's How been a while. Been, yeah. Hey, good to see the resources <laughs> finally kicked in last night. Here we go. Here we go. You're going to need more than one win uh, in order to get on that Johnny Dawkins uh, bandwagon, right? No, I'm on. I'm back, baby. I yeah. am back, John. I have re- I have receipts, Trace. I, I have receipts. Man. He can do. Mike. He he bought himself some time with me. How much time? I, You're writing the contract extension. How much? How many years? Eight years. Eight years minimum. I mean that that eight was years. Last night. Eight years. Or what are you drinking tonight? What's the beverage of choice over there? <laughs> I have not had a drink, man. I, that is that is the biggest win on campus in any sport. Since you got to say like the 18 championship game in football. I mean, I know Elo is going to tell me the, the softball team beating Michigan a couple years ago, but this was top five moments on campus ever. I think. Beating Are you pulling out a top five list on this show? Is that what's next? Ooh, no chance. No, no chance. No chance. I mean, top five basketball win. Oh, it's a yes, top five basketball sure. win. That's that's for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to get five, so it's definitely in the top five. <laughs> also fair. I mean, we, look, we've had some other ones. I mean, winning a game in the tournament for sure is still up there. Beating the Gators in Amway is, is up there. Beating UConn, who was number four at the time. Everybody forgets that game over in, in the Bahamas in 2011. So we have beaten the top five team before. But this one on campus, first time ever. Packed house, the environment, everything. You know what I was not looking forward to the whole day yesterday was hearing that stupid rock chalk Jayhawk chant. And I'm so glad that they never were able to get that thing off. Are you pro or con on fear the fronds, the palm fronds? Yeah, you know, I, I think I'm a dummy. I thought this whole time fronds was F-R-A-W-N. <laughs> I just found out today it was fronds. With F-N-D. Um, eh, whatever. It looked cool on TV. I get it. We're in Florida. We we sell the beach thing. We we have the cabana and all that stuff. That's fine. Are you a storm the court guy? I've never had the chance to storm the court. I would if I was close enough. If I'm not going downstairs, if I'm I'm sitting all the way up the top. But 
Um, I, I'm getting to the age where I'm maybe a little bit too old. I, I wait for every ball, the young kids to get out onto the court, and then I, I stroll on at the end. I, <laughs> I just picture some sort of walking cane or something like that. Uh, you know, a little, little Kramer moment for you with a big top hat strolling onto the court. Yeah, I, I mean, I would I would get out there for sure, but I wouldn't be the first out there. Well, we're glad you're sticking around now for the last half of the last quarter of the show. Yeah, let's do the uh, the, the mailbox. Well, oh, we're, we're not we're that. Not, we're not tonight. <laughs> we're not. You're rusty. We do. You're rusty, though. You're forgetting we'll a whole second. Roll this next one there, Adam. Uh, what am I rolling here? Oh, I'm rolling. Around the king. This is Eric Henry of 24-7 Sports, but more importantly, UCF Knight, class of 2014. And you're watching Around the Kingdom. Jack, who he didn't know him. UCF Mike was going to be on, you know, comes, comes with no, no one ever knows. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, women's basketball, they uh, dropped one 64 63 at Cincinnati. Owen four now. Uh, best thing that happened to them is that that was going up against UCF in Kansas. So maybe some people don't know that they dropped that game. Career high 35 points for Caitlin Peterson. Up next, Saturday. Uh, West Virginia at noon uh, in the uh, in the arena. Football home opener. Mike planned now not to be there on Thursday, August 29th <laughs> against New Hampshire. Uh, that'll be in the bounce house Thursday, August 29th. And Ricky Barber is back, the defensive tackle, making it official what has been long rumored that he will return for the 2024 season. You did a great job when you filled in for me on Around the Kingdom. Mixed it up again with Eric Lopez this week, and we have a little clip for it. No, and look, Trace, in all seriousness, when that before that opening tip, I'm going to take it in. Like to see that Kansas jersey, obviously, there'll be some Kansas fans. That's a moment. I mean, you and I have gone to UCF games back to the days where they were in the tack playing at the arena that's now known as the venue. That's insane. If I would have told Elo, Elo, I predate you. I saw them play in the education building. Education. How old are you, Trace? By the way, <laughs> Torchy Tor Tor on the sidelines for that game? <laughs> no, Torchy. Torchy was. I had Torchy for a class, but Torchy was not on the sidelines for that one. Uh, you guys, I, I, I got through the uh, good interview you did with Walter Yates the third. Now I'm doing it uh, with the introduction. Gotcha. Uh, he, he, you know, what was nice is that I learned a lot more about him than we ever get. Uh, when they spring them on us, we don't know who the players are when they're bringing them up to the podium. So you have no time to prepare. And then suddenly they, they bring in Walter and then you're going through game recap, game preview, and you don't get to know him. So you guys really got to know him this week. Yeah, he was fun. And the clip I picked, everyone's going to think I picked this because of the quasi salacious nature, but that's actually not why I picked this clip. So I'm going to play it and then I'll explain. Well, I want to get back to something you just said. So um, you mentioned Dylan Gabriel. You, you weren't even at UCF when Dylan Gabriel was at was at UCF, oh, but that was still a big game for you guys. That's still something that was talked about, like going yeah, in and, 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 and sort of getting some it. getting some payback at the, at the yeah. former quarterback. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely something that was uh, talked about. Just nothing uh, disrespectful, of course, but like just kind of he left and how the UCF fan base knows about Dylan and kind of it was just a big game leading up to it. So. Yeah, even though I wasn't even there, I still kind of felt the, I guess, the tension and how big of a deal it was to go out there and and uh, try to upset those boys. So, now I thought for sure you were going to pull the clip where maybe he reveals a little bit about that ECU loss. Yeah, I mean, we all know what happened there, Trace. But I, I thought it was cool that he wasn't even here, but he recognized how important this game was for some of his teammates, for the fan base, and how this wasn't his deal, but he was like, you guys want to win this? I'm going to win this too. So it's a really good kid. I know, to your point, Trace, you don't get to 
it, it's 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 unfortunate we don't get to stroll in with Sammy's and some of the other stuff we used to get to know these players. But really good kid. I know you, you think he's quiet when you see him in the podium, but uh, a fun conversation. I tried to get some dirt on John Rice Plumley, unsuccessful, unsuccessful um, multiple times. But uh, but check out the conversation. It's on YouTube. It's on the podcast feed. Wherever you want to find us, you can find us, and you'll I think you'll love listening to Walt. He likes to be called Walt. I learned by the way, Walt Yates the third. Yeah, uh, you know, rival for best hair, Mike, uh, goes to our, our next guy, uh, Clay Pasco, uh, doing a little Clay's Corner, a little recap of the 2023 football season. Hey, you know, back when we were concerned maybe about winning at Boise State and Colton Boomer was the apple of our eye, Clay now with a little recap of that. Remembering the games, you know, it's been a long season. Can't really blame you if you do. Do you not have three hours to devote to go watch the entire game? I'm going to summarize UCF's entire game in about one and a half to two minutes. Let's get started. UCF versus Boise State. Now, for some reason, there's no game footage on this game. Like, none. I can't find the actual game. I can't find highlights. However, there are the last five minutes of the game, which is probably the best part of the game that I think everyone remembers. But um, in the meantime, I want to talk about something kind of different today to pass the time. What I do want to bring up is the stupid UCF Twitter war over Boise State's blue uniforms on the turf. Yes, this is real discussions and arguments over saying that it's not fair that Boise State can wear blue uniforms on a blue field, whatnot, how it gives them an advantage. There are actual arguments over this. Not the proudest UCF Twitter mafia moment. Is that what we call it? Yeah, Twitter mafia. Sorry, I'm still getting familiar with all this stuff. The score being 9-10 to late in the fourth quarter, RJ Harvey wildcats his way into the end zone, but the reverse we try on the two-point conversion fails miserably. Thanks, Henshaw. Boise State, in clutching fashion, drives their way down the field and scores a touchdown. However, they also miss a two-point conversion. Offense gets the ball back. JRP completes two passes to Alec Holler and Kobe Hudson, and then RG Harvey gets a first down. JRP famously gets hurt in what I think to be a really bad missed targeting call. And we continue to drive down the field, and Colton Boomer kicks a game-winning field goal and walks off like the king he is. <laughs> yeah, I recorded that months ago, by the way, before the fall-off. Just wanted you guys to know that. Again, thank you guys so much for having me, and go Knights, charge on. Ah, Clay and his uh, unique sense of humor. What about that blue field, Mike? I hate the blue field. You know my feelings about that. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, and I'm glad we don't have to watch a game on there anymore. Knights now 2-0. and Promising season ahead. Couldn't possibly get derailed anytime soon. But the Knights 2-0 and after that win over Boise. All right, Mike. Hit us. Cue up Brian. Well, earlier Mike said it was mailbox time, so that tells you how rusty he is. <laughs> It's that time again. Time to open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. We open that mailbag. Uh, you know, Mike, when you used to be on Twitter, what's going on with that, by the way? Uh, suspension still in effect. I have no idea, man. I, I'm very limited on Twitter now. Every once in a while, I check it. I just found out 24 hours later that the uh, basketball account used J.P. Gilbert's picture. <laughs> I just saw that like a few minutes ago. Um I, I don't, I don't know. Twitter's not uh, asking me to come back, and I'm not asking. Elon Twitter. keeps emailing you, and and you just don't respond. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's happening, guys. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook now. See me there. <laughs> You've aged into Facebook. That's, that's good. I'm going to MySpace next. <laughs> uh, we open the mailbag, uh, Mike, uh, to remind you on Mondays. So some of these were pre. UCF Kansas, including at, at Golden Knight underscore the second. Who who will be the only, I mean, first Big 12 win against the season? 
or will they win any at all after the debacle? Then Golden Knight message today to say, I want to change my question now. Is this the biggest win in the Dawkins era? Uh, Lonely B, UCF, Mario. How many uh, lottery players does Dawkins need to win five games in the Big 12? And um, so what do you think, Mike? What do you, what do you think of this one? Biggest win for Johnny Dawkins, certainly. Yeah, I mean, winning the first ever tournament game for me is always going to be special. That, that's something we were longing for for a very, very long time and never got it. This too, but this is this is different. This is not Kansas on a down year. This is not like beating Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl when they were 6-16. Six and 16. This is Kansas when if they would have beat us last night, they would have been the number one team in the country today because number one and number two lost the night before. This is a good Kansas team. And to do what we did, it has to be probably his best win. Uh, at emptiness for Michael with a trio of questions. His first, to Taco Fall, learning how to play defense by Johnny Dawkins a few more years. Mike? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've been waiting for this. He finally did it. I, I, I'm, I always apologize. When I'm wrong and something happens, I, I'll, I'll be the first to say I was wrong. I sent Johnny a letter last night, said, I'm sorry. I I take it all a letter. Back. Well, I mean, not to him. I texted it to Adam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he sent him a, a private Facebook message, apparently. But I did the same thing. I did the same thing with George O'Leary. I cursed that poor man for the first eight years he was here. When he won the Fiesta Bowl, I forgave everything. He he, he did could do no wrong in my book after that. Johnny is getting close to that. Now, if he pulls off a few more wins here. See, I don't know if last night's win was the best thing that ever happened to Johnny or the worst thing that ever happened to Johnny. Because now... I have expectations again. Now, if we can do that, why can't we beat BYU this Saturday? Why can't we beat Iowa State at home? Why? There's a bunch of wins now on this schedule, I see. Uh, Adam, another one from Michael. Move a player on the current football roster to another position. Who is it and why? Randy Pittman to wide receiver. We talked earlier we need some uh, some some hands out there. I don't know if he's into blocking as much, so let's make him a big wide receiver and, uh, and uh, wide receiver three. And Michael's other question, can K.J. Jefferson play baseball? Do we want our Mississippi quarterbacks to play baseball? Mike? No, preferably not. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, it's a good story when JRP did it. He did the spring game, uh, and he, he played baseball the same day. Yeah, that was cool and everything. But let, let's just focus on one, one thing. We're not Bo Jackson over here. At Cat Veeg one how soon before we start to hear a KJ for Heisman uh, talk? Uh, do you think that's something UCF should get behind? I think they should let him take a snap first before we start putting him up for the Heisman. I mean, no, maybe, but in concept, in concept, if he has a good season, yeah. I mean, if we're the future of college football and we're five and zero, oh and you know he's running through the league, then they absolutely should start thinking about that. But let's let him have a snap first. Um, yeah, I, I think you at least get through the first month of the season. Come out of Gainesville, and you still haven't lost a game, and his stats look good. Then you can start talking about it. So hype it up preseason doesn't make any sense. At Unger to Unger, Sam, not a question. I just need to know uh, one of you to scold our fans who gave uh, Javon Baker any kind of grief for declaring for the draft. Mike, I know you supported that. Uh, you talked about it on the pod this week. Yeah, I, I didn't like that he said he was coming back. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing. Like Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith did the same thing. I don't know if you guys remember. Right before the Liberty Bowl, he said he was coming back. We played the game, and then the next morning he says, I'm not coming back. I could do without the first announcement, but I wish him the best. Javon Baker, I hope he has a great NFL career. Are we at a point now where we get announcements that players are just going to be back? Isn't it just 
you're going to be back until you say you're not going to be back. But now we got to make an announcement that we're coming back. Well, they put you out those, keep, uh, the messages. Yeah, you, you got to keep all these graphics said. guys. All these graphics guys got to stay in business, Trace. With that Mike, being said, on Twitter, I'd like an announcement that you know you were coming back and just, <laughs> just being sprung on us. That's Spursy night. Do you feel we're addressing our needs in recruiting so far? I do. I mean, linebacker, we, we hauled in some more linebackers um, this past week. Obviously, we got KJ. Maybe you want to look at a receiver and Goldie Lawrence, I guess, is that guy. I know we talked earlier, Trace, the, the lines are the only area that you can't ever have too many big people. So if you can find some more big people, I say bring them in. Mike? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're putting it, we're targeting all the, the positions of need. We've How many linebackers have we brought in in the last three days? Seems like four or five. I think so. we have at least four now, if my math's right. And maybe one guy who can play linebacker, so four and a half. And you figure not all of them are going to be hits. Two of those guys probably will never see the field. But if you get three of them that can contribute, I think that's pretty good. At Riley Carey, 16, do you think UCF done with the portal? Is there still more to come? Gus, at his Thursday media availability, only wanted to talk about KJ, said that he would have a media availability in the future to talk about the, the rest of the portal guys, that they weren't done yet. I guess those Alabama guys are free now with uh, Nick Saban's retirement. Yeah, those guys would be, and whoever takes Alabama, those guys will be free too. So the here comes the domino effect, and if Jim Harbaugh goes to the league, those guys are free, and his replacement, those guys are free. So you've got you know you've got a couple more classes maybe coming out there, but it's gonna be tricky for those guys because school's starting, right? So how do you how do you get enrolled in a school if you you know transfer in February when Harbaugh leaves for the NFL? I don't know how you do that. You know how they do that? They skate oh, around so every rule. <laughs> <laughs> they pay attention to that's any rules. They do whatever they want. <laughs> I was half tempted to ask uh, KJ what he was uh, studying at UCF. <laughs> the mic didn't make it back to me. <laughs> I was just, just curious what his, what his area of study was. He didn't come here to play school, okay? <laughs> he didn't come here to play school. <laughs> at Zeebles, UCF, the, night, uh, the kingdom creatively. By the way, KJ wearing the kingdom polo at his uh, presser today. Uh, Zeebles, UCF, the kingdom creatively using the Frankie Valley kerfluffle to raise funds since the only two things all UCF fans enjoy are UCF and arguing maybe the kingdom will continue to hold court on UCF Twitter arguments. If they did, which feud would you like to see them take on in order to raise funds? I think let's settle the Knights versus the Citronauts once and for all. And uh, uh, winner, we don't have to hear about the Citronauts anymore. Yeah, I say it's uh, uh, raise money for J.P. Gilbert to keep his account or to close his account. I'd love to see that uh, that bankroll and how many people would uh, would donate to get rid of J.P. Gilbert. Sorry, Roger. <laughs> There's a check. <laughs> but, about, by the way, how about that? that? A nod from UCF Athletics throwing J.P. up on the main account. <laughs> Have you seen it, Mike? It's the picture when he was hanging out with you. That's right. Yeah, that's why I, said, I mentioned that earlier. Yeah, uh, I just saw it though. I saw it a day after it was posted because I'm I'm not up to date on Twitter. But eventually, things get around to me. So, what feud do you want to see them settle, Mike? Uh, on Facebook with, a fun, with fundraising. <laughs> you know, I'm not a uniform guy per se, but for my boy Brian W. Peterson, how about bringing back the gold? Oh, there you go, Brian. Save your pennies. It's, you know, it's a lot of money into that. It's tax season. It's embezzlement time, friends. So if you're going to put a gold, wow. a gold pole out there, you committed you committed a crime on this week's around the kingdom trace. I think maybe it's now time for Brian W. Peterson to embezzle some money for gold uniforms. <laughs> Was it a crime? Is it a crime? Well, hold on. Let's ask Mike. Mike is the judge and jury. Mike, if you are illegally, although that you probably the wrong person to ask this to. <laughs> Mike is definitely the wrong because I definitely know the answer. I'm logged into your ESPN. Account. I know. That's why it's a bad thing to ask. Is that is that against the law, Mike? 
Is it against the law against the to law? share a password? I, the law. I mean, I you're, you're allowed a certain amount of, of devices to use, right? With one account. If you want one of your buddies to use that, then sure. Okay. Um, look, I'm I'm happy being pro white collar crime. I, I have no issue with that. I'm happy to to die on that hill. There's ways around it. I, mean, they, they, I think Netflix has come up with things where you have to every once in a while log in through the same uh, Wi-Fi. There, there's things you can do if they really want it to stop you. So eh, they haven't got us yet. Correcting the record, I was only kidding about oh oh sorry <laughs> it's only kidding based on advice from your counsel you've decided <laughs> yeah. to indicate that was a joke fair enough i no, see that is that is correct all right you got anything for us mike uh, before we uh we uh, sign out of this one well, what are you thinking about saturday <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna rebound from this game and continue now and take this team to a level that nobody expected and actually compete in this league or was this as a one-time thing Saturday, we lose to BYU, and we go back on our merry way. Clay said on social media this would be the typical UCF thing to drop this game at home after you get this big win. Plus, looking ahead, they've got Texas on the road, and they've got Houston. So it'd be nice to get this one, be 2-1 and one in league, and you can afford to, to, to struggle with the Texas teams. I, I think they come out with a win. I didn't get a lot of confidence from our guest from BYU that uh, – that he believes in the Cougars, that they're a bit overrated is what I heard. Adam? We're going to lose. <laughs> it's just typical. It's typical Adam, UCF letdown. Last night during the game, I'm texting Adam. He yeah. was just waiting for this shoe to drop. Yeah. And I know, and there was one time where I thought it was going to happen too. And I don't think you guys have mentioned tonight. But we're up by six in the final minute of the game. And we have a steal and a breakaway. <laughs> and we were going to bring the house down with the dunk to go up by eight. And we trip over our own feet. They come back. They hit a three. It's a three-point game. And I think we all just said, oh, my God. It can't end this way, right? It can't. And then the uh, the free throw, the first free throw, that was short. That We got that nice, friendly bounce, bounced up and in, and then up by four, up by five, and, and we finally pulled it out. It, is it just a UCF thing, but the collective fan base feels that they're just going to let a game go? It doesn't matter what the sport is. There's not a great deal of confidence late in games. I felt good, actually, in the second half. I, the way we were playing, I thought I, I was feeling good up until that one spot. That one play, then that, that got me nervous. But watching them play in the second half, I, I felt like they were playing well. Mike, glad to have you back. Don't be a stranger. Stop by any Thursday at any point in the show. Come in mid-interview. I, I like kind of like being this Mariano Rivera kind of just closer come in and, and slam the book. It's a lot less preparation. I don't have to come up with questions for these other guys. Just come in. You just have to answer the questions. <laughs> yeah, I like answering questions. I don't like coming up with questions. Uh, for uh, Adam and Mike, I'm Trey Struggle. Let's end with Zen, uh, one of our biggest fans uh, who closes the show for us. Uh, go Knights, everyone. Hi, Night Nation. This is Zen, otherwise known as UCF Girl 88. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Sons of UCF. I know I did. I always tune in for the news, you know, the gossip and the shenanigans in general. So thanks for watching. Go Knights. Charge on. Shenanigans. shenanigans. No, that's that's fair. I was uncomfortable with news. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.